Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Being at Work. I'm your host, Andrea Butcher. And on this show, we strive to highlight practical takeaways and reminders for leaders to enhance their influence. So if that's what you're looking for, you're in for a treat today. Jenny Bean is the Chief Human Resources Officer at Duke Realty. But what you most need to know about her is that she transitioned from a role early in her career because she didn't feel like she could have the impact she wanted to have. And throughout her career, she's learned the value in that experience and the value in other leadership lessons. She says the lesson that has been most pivotal for her has come in the last couple of years where she has learned the value of listening versus solving the problem. My key takeaway, leaders listen to empower. Check it out. I went to college at Indiana State, and my major was sociology and criminology. And I always, from an early age, I knew I wanted to help people. That was my big thing is like, what can I do to help people? And so my grandma was a social worker for her entire life, and and I actually happen to have her middle name. Um, so I think that's kind of connected. But um, I thought to myself, you know what? I think that's what I'm going to do, too. I think I'm going to be a social worker because I know that you can help people. So I got my first job out of college with the private industry council, which was part of workforce development. And so I was there to help people who just got released from prison to learn how to get back into the workforce. And so I was doing that job for a while, um, you know, in my early 20s. And, you know, I looked around and felt like I could, it was limited on what I could do and really helping people. So I thought to myself, I need to make a career change. So I decided at first to go get my master's in human resources. So I did that while I was there. And I got kind of interested in the HR field and saw a part of HR that helps people. Um, And so I decided to take a new job and and get my first stint in human resources and did that role for a while on the recruiting side. And and the employee, I started to do a little bit of employee relations. And then I landed at Duke. And I'll be at Duke Realty for 25 years this August. And so when I first came to Duke, it was all new. The HR department was all new. There was two other people in the department. And we had an opportunity to create and develop a lot of employee engagement programs. Um, and also I was um, in charge of employee relations. So I found myself being able to leave the government world and go into a more public company that I was able to still help people help people who are in their career here at Duke Realty and just kind of in life in general. And I was able to to do more. I have more resources, of course, um, not only financial, but also kind of had an open docket where they said, do whatever it works here at Duke. Do whatever makes people want to stay here at Duke Realty. So I was able to have a lot of freedom to create a lot of different programs. And, you know, a big part of our program is diversity, equity, and inclusion as well. So that's been a fun program to run. And that's how I got to where I am today, but also to fulfill my desire to help people. Yeah, and make an impact. It's really interesting. I think there's such a good lesson in that, you know, early in your career, you realized I'm not having the impact that I want to have, like particularly around helping people. Did you realize that pretty quickly? I did because maybe it's the clientele of people I was helping (laughs) at the time. I mean, it was a struggle. There was lots of challenges that they had. And, you know, as a young person, not having that experience, it was hard to help them. And so, you know, it helped them, obviously, with career opportunities and jobs and those type of things. But really, I I didn't ever see what was my true impact for them. And I think that's what I saw early on. 
And then I looked around and, and, and saw people who were okay with just going to a certain level. And my personality is more, you know, I need to go all the way. And so that's what made me decide to take a chance and, and leave and go someplace else. So that's ingrained in you. You've always been one to kind of raise your hand and say, yeah, I'm not, I'm not adding the value that I want to here. Yes. What advice do you give emerging leaders? Because I suspect that you see a lot of people become complacent and, oh, maybe I should wait it out. So how do you know if, gosh, this is not a good spot for me? I think you have to listen to your gut because, you know, if you have that thought, it's probably right. You know yourself well and the best. And so I kind of feel like when you have that gut feeling or something in your head saying, you know, well, I'm not sure this is where I want to be. And sometimes you need to be there to get the experience and then move on to something better. But I think that's your time and point to start looking for something else or, you know, explore other avenues or things that you might be interested in. You know, it's easier to do it while you have a job. And so I think you just need to listen to your gut. I love that. Well, and especially early in your career because you're forming the foundation. So you don't want 10 years to pass. And here I've been stuck in this low impact job for all this time. And that's exactly what I think I saw there. (laughs) And that was another thing that I saw uh, of people there. And that kind of hit me pretty fast too, to say, okay, I've got to move now. So I'm not here 10, 20 years from now. Good for you. Follow your gut. Just yesterday, I was talking to an emerging leader and she's been with her organization for a year very like kind of entry level HR and this exact thing. I can't wait to list to share this episode with her because she she was really struck between, well, but I've only been there for a year. You know, I feel like I should give it a chance. And it's like, well, you've given it a chance. What makes you think it's going to change? Yes. And employers, I mean, as an employer, I would rather someone come to me and, you know, have that conversation and want either see if we can do something to make that person want to stay here, you know, if it's a good fit for both. But then also, I'd rather someone leave and not be here for, you know, five years, 10 years and be like, okay, you know, I mean, this is not the best place I want to be. I mean, your attitude and um, your work product is going to show that after a while. Good point. So I love your advice around speak up, raise your hand if you're not having the impact. Did you try to, did you try to have those conversations at that time? I did. And that's kind of what got me interested in HR and to go get my master's is I went to the director and, you know, when you're in a government environment, so it's not like they're going to create a job for me. So I went to him and, you know, said that I don't think this area is the area for me. And he said like, well, what do you, what about HR? We're thinking about creating an HR department. I didn't even know what HR was, (laughs) to be honest. I mean, I'm like, okay. He said, it's all about people, he said. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to trust him and go. And I got my uh, master's. And so I got to dabble a little bit in there, but not enough. I mean, I knew, you know, once I started taking these classes and, and, and talking to professionals, I thought, wow, I need to be doing something different. And so I do uh, credit that job for getting me interested in HR. Absolutely. Yeah. So good point. So through that experience, there's some value there. Even if it's the worst job ever, you'll learn you'll never want to do that again. Right. Or what not to do. Really good point. That's such a growth mindset. There's always something to learn. Well, and so now, I mean, you you have been such an important part of the growth at Duke Realty. You know, it's it's interesting to hear you say that the freedom that you were given to really build and create talent processes and grow your team. And so no doubt you have a lot of stories and a lot of moments I'd love to hear as an executive, like what are some of your big lessons learned throughout your career? What's really set you apart in terms of your leadership? In the last two years, I've probably learned the best advice 
um, and input. I got some feedback, you know, all day, you know, for years here, I was charge employee relations and I listened to people and their issues and their problems. And, you know, a lot of their issues and problems are the same. They're just with different people or different managers. And so I pretty much know the outcome, what's going to happen because I've done it for so long. And so I got this valuable input from someone saying, and I got it from a manager, which I think is important that I was working with, that they were new in the role of dealing with an employee relation issue. And, you know, when they're talking to me, they always got, they always felt like they got really great advice. But a lot of times I would jump to the outcome because I knew it was going to be there. And even though it would be there, they didn't get to walk through every step of the process. And so for their learning, it was better to be able to go through that whole process. So my big aha moment was, okay, I need to listen. I mean, you know, I need, here I tell people all the time to listen. And so I need to take my own advice, sit back, listen, let them go through the process, even though it may have been the 10th time I've had that conversation that day, but that's their first time. So I have to remember, you know, each manager is at a different level. And some of them are experienced and can go to the end really fast, but you know you really gotta take it slow and see what area they're at in their um, career of you know managing people, and to so I could give better advice. So it that was just great feedback for me. I was shocked at first, but you know I thought you know what they're so right. Well, and I applaud your openness because it's only in the openness and the awareness that you can change that. And you bring up such a common challenge. I mean. A lot of us got to where we are because of the results that we got, because of the problems that we solved, the fires we put out. So, of course, your orientation and you want to help people. And so you're filling in the gaps by giving them that info. First of all, what's the value in just listening? What's the value to you and to them? One, for me, I can always learn something from someone as well. You know, even though I may have been doing this for 25 years, people are different. Every person I work with is different. They have different take on things. And so I learned really, I mean, I learned from that, that how much I can learn from them and also the diversity that they are bringing to me in regards to their thought process is such an added value for me to c- carry on and help other people. What about for them? What do you see as the real value as you're, instead of problem solving, you're just listening to them? I think that's where they gained a lot of, you know, knowledge and experience for themselves to be more confident because they went, they were able to go through the whole entire process of whatever the situation is. They're able to really dig through it and kind of come up with the information on their own. So I was more of guiding them as opposed to telling them what they have to do. I mean, some people do like to be told what to do, but a lot of people want to be able to come to that conclusion. If they're going to have to deliver bad news, they want to be able to feel, okay, this is this is my news I have to deliver, and I want to feel good about what this information is. And so I think that they became better managers because it's their idea, it's their thoughts, it's their process. I might just add a little you know, guidance to it, but I don't have to tell them exactly what to do, which I think is good. So it's empowering is really what I hear you saying. They walk away really having worked through the process. So clearly there's value for all involved, but Jenny, it's hard. It's hard to just listen sometimes when you see the solution. So talk us through that. Like really, what are you doing in that moment? How do you keep yourself from solving the problem? One thing is I try to sit not at my desk. I mean, like little things that would distract me to want to hurry up and get to the end because I want to move on to this email that just popped in, you know? And so I really have just made myself go to 
you know, obviously when we're more in the office, you know, go to a conference room or go to um, a table and, you know, just really give them my undivided attention and really try to shut things off, you know, other things I have to do because people can tell when you're distracted, you know, they're here to get advice and guidance and feel better. And, you know, I, if I'm distracted, that doesn't make them feel good. So I really think it's just, you have to put yourself in that frame of mind and you also have to shut things off. So I hear in that being disciplined and intentional about really being present, shutting things off. Well, and I don't know about for you, but there are some times when like, I'm just not in the right headspace to listen. I've, I've found myself to my team on occasion saying, Hey, like, I really want to be here for you right now, but because of whatever, like, I'm just not in a great headspace. Like, can we reschedule or can I call you back in a 10 minutes after I get clear? I think that's great advice. Um, you know, I, I've done the same thing. What I caution myself on is not doing that too much so that, you know, especially if you're having a rescheduled meeting because it's their time and you want them to feel important. But it is true. I mean, like, you know, when we HR professionals have to listen to things, I mean, we're 10, 15 different managers coming into you uh, with an issue, a problem or need a you know, project solved, that gets a lot overwhelmed. So you, you got to space that out. And sometimes you can do that because you get on your own schedule. So which I think is good. I try to not schedule too many in a row. What do you do? Okay, I want to I'm trying to think of my like biggest listening challenges to pose. What do you do if it's like a repeat pattern and you've not problem solved, but like with someone, the same stuff keeps coming up, like the same challenges. Can can you, can you think of situations like that? That's the part where I learned to listen better because I think when you have the same repeat challenges, you know, a lot of times it's with different managers, but that's where I learned that I allow them to do majority of the talking and I force myself not to talk, which is very difficult, but I do feel like I let them talk about what the problem is and also have them tell me how they want to solve it before I add any advice. And that has helped me kind of let them own it. And then me just, okay, that, you know, that sounds good, but what do you think about this? Or actually, this is what I would do in the situation. If you're totally, if we're totally off base with each other, you know, then you can let them talk it through first and then give your input so that helps you be quiet because you just have to let them talk and then, you know, allows them to build some ownership to it. So it's a process. Like you got to stay in it with them, continue to empower them. What if it's an issue? I'm thinking of a situation with the leader that I was coaching that had he had a performance issue with one of his team members and he really just wanted to complain about the team member. How do you balance the like course correcting and coaching with listening? Especially, it's one thing that they come in to you and like maybe one time they do that because sometimes people just need to get, you know, let some steam off. But when you have repeat people who are coming back to you, managers who are complaining about the same associate over and over and over, you know, what I've done is a little bit tough love with them. And maybe because I've been here for so long, but part of it's my personality, you know, I get to the point and I'm just really blunt and say, Mr. Smith, we've been here X amount of times and you're saying the same thing X amount of times, even though you walk out with a plan. So either the plan's not being executed or this person's getting really, really bad, you know? And so I kind of put it back on them because they own it. You know, when they leave this office, I can give the best advice all day long, but if they don't try to do something with it, then there's no point in the conversation. And because, and we've had that. I mean, we have had, I've had that multiple times throughout the years. And I think being blunt with them, to let them know that they have to do something or and stop coming back 
I mean, don't come back and talk to me about this person if you're not willing to put some effort into it and some work into it. And so usually when you get to that point, say it's still very professional, but they get it, you know, they get it. They're doing, you know, they need to do something with it. That's really good. Well, and you talked earlier about listening really being empowering because it forces them to work through a solution. So really, I mean, and I, cause I think of accountability as a empowerment. So as they're working through the solution, yeah, if they're not following through on that, that gives you something to circle back on, doesn't it? And because they've come up with the solution, hopefully they, they will own it. It's coaching, isn't it? I mean, this, this is all coaching 101. And I think ownership is the most, one of the most important things too, because, you know, I think the thing is people will come in and, and a lot of times it's just an inexperienced manager and they will complain about the same thing over and over. And, but you own that, that's your associate, you own those conversations and, and making sure those happen. And, and I think once you put it back on them, they realize, okay, I have to do something. Right. It is your associate, your responsibility to lead through this challenge. Yeah, that's really good. I love it. What else? Anything else around this leadership lesson of listening and rather than problem solving? Anything else come to mind? I think the other thing is assumption, not to assume, because we've all done it. And we, I mean, it's, it's human nature, to be honest, to assume things. Um, but what I learned early on, too, is don't assume what outcome you think it should be is this what outcome they want. Because I may think from what they told me, I might think this outcome needs to be this, but they're not really there yet, or maybe they'll never be there. And so, you know, I I try not to put my thoughts, what I want to do with the situation before I understand what theirs is. Is there a situation or a time in your career that really comes to light when you think about that? You know, it's funny. <laughs> it's real uh, current. So, you know, we were talking about COVID-19 and the vaccines and what, you know, everyone has their own opinion of it. And it's something like, you know, it's almost like politics. You don't like to talk about that at the office. Let's not talk about the vaccine because you never know. And so I was on a phone call with, with the manager and he was saying that, you know, giving a story about his nanny uh, got COVID and was in the hospital for or a coma for two months. And he didn't know where she was. I couldn't find her and, you know, how devastating that was and that he's a younger guy that just had a baby and they're going to have other children. And so in my own mind, you see what's on the news and what you hear and you say, oh, a lot of younger people may not get the vaccine because of childbearing years, you know. And so I kind of alluded to that, you know, and he's like, my wife got the vaccine. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. You know what I mean? Like, even though you're in this conversation and you sometimes it just goes there before you even realize it's going there. And and he was not offended or anything like that. But I, I left it thinking, I just assumed because his you know wife was childbearing age that she would not want to do it because the stuff that was on the news, I mean, you know, what's been brought out about it. So interesting that you, you find yourself because you're human. HR people are human too. You know, we're going to make some mistakes and and, you know, I, I just immediately said, you know what? I shouldn't have said that. And I think owning that, I mean, I just try to own my mistakes. And I think that's the best thing you do in HR is own your mistakes because, you know, we kind of are put up on a pedestal that, you know, we don't make mistakes and we, we know what to say all the time and we know what to do all the time. But, you know, we are human. We make mistakes. And I think I felt better by just saying, you know what? I probably shouldn't have said that or assumed that your wife wasn't going to get the vaccine. So it's hard not to have those conversations with, with COVID and what's going on. And you think you're having just personal conversation with a coworker and it leads down the road that you don't want to go to. So, you know, I would say just own any type of mistake you might make and also just realize you're going to make mistakes. It's human. 
Yeah. And even before you've made the mistake, I also heard like challenging your assumptions, paying attention to those assumptions and asking questions or seeking to understand so that you don't assume. And I love your advice around just apologizing and moving on. I think so much of the time, like I see people like almost over overreact or overcorrect, like fall on their sword when they've made a mistake. It's like, no, you don't need to do that. <laughs> that almost makes it worse or exacerbates the challenge. Just And then also continue to talk about it. Um, I'll tell a quick story. When I first got here at Duke, all of our associate data information regarding our benefits, uh, compensation, everything was just on an Excel spreadsheet. You know, like we were not there yet. We were not, we didn't have an in-house system or anything like that. So I remember, you know, I was in that system and I hadn't been here very long, maybe like a couple months. And I deleted that entire spreadsheet. To recreate that would be months upon, probably a year to take to recreate. So as soon as I realized I did not save it, I deleted it. You know, I wanted to get sick about it. I mean, like I was so sick. <laughs> I just walked down to my boss's office and said, I need to own this. Brace yourself. But I just deleted <laughs> the spreadsheet. <laughs> oh my God. That must have been really hard. Oh, it was horrible. That right there is another lesson for me because that point in time, and I've been there a short period of time, I learned that point on that I need to be real. I need to be honest when I do make those mistakes because, you know, I could have made every excuse of why I did it. There was no reason except for I thought I saved it and I deleted it. Luckily, IT was able to, in the backup, uh, recreate it or, you know, pull it back up and all was good. But, you know, for that moment of time of me walking down the hallway and having to tell my boss, I mean, you know, I probably lost 10 years of my life because I was so worried about it. But I felt so much better after I did it. And I mean, and shared that I made the mistake and, I do think about that. I tell new hires all the time that when don't be afraid to make a mistake and don't be afraid to own it too. So no one's perfect here. You know, it's intimidating sometimes to come into our company because we have a lot of tenure. So we have a lot of people who have been here for quite a while. And so sometimes that's intimidating. So if you make a mistake, you don't want to share that. But to me, I like that person that will come up and say, you know, I just made a mistake. Yeah, there's so much respect in that. And it's it's really not as much about the thing that you messed up as it is your response to it. Yes, exactly. Every single time. Yeah, I love that story. So how did your boss react to that? Well, I did see her face change. I mean, like, <laughs> I think it turned white. I'm like, she was just so like, oh my, almost green because I think she wanted to vomit because I kind of wanted to vomit myself. <laughs> and, um, but she was pretty calm and, and I did, I've learned, I learned a lot from um, my past boss, Denise. And so, but she just, you know what? I think IT can pull it back. Let's call them. I mean, she was very calm about it. So I learned from her too. I mean, what what would be the benefit if I would, you know, she would have screamed at me or like, you know, threw her hands down or, you know, I, I do think that, you know, she handled that well, which made me, she's so calm in the moment. And I try to do that too. when you know, I hear news that's upsetting or <laughs> respond versus react, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's a great story. <laughs> I so appreciate that. Well, inconsistent. I mean, cause you've, You've talked about ownership multiple times and consistent with the value in just owning, just owning it. That's so good. Oh, Jenny, thank you so much. So many good takeaways, particularly around listening. I mean, you really broke down for us how to listen because it's hard. We want to solve problems. We want to help. So being disciplined and intentional about being present, staying in it with them, continuing to empower them. And then just all this last conversation around owning your part, owning your assumptions, paying attention to those assumptions. When you do say something or do something that's not what you 
expected or anticipated, just owning that and using it, learning from it going forward. Yeah. So, so helpful. So if our listeners want to connect with you, Jenny, what is the best way to do that? LinkedIn is good. And also even my email at jenny.bean at dukerealty.com. Feel free to shoot me an email. I'd be more than happy to chat with you. Great. And speaking of Duke, you have a beautiful new space. How is that? Well, I love it. You know, unfortunately, we moved in here in February and then we got sent home March 9th. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so we did not get to really fully enjoy this building. And so it's beautiful. Uh, we're the only tenant in the building. It's only us. And we have such great space to do, to collaborate. And so we're so excited that with things going in the right direction with COVID-19, that we'll be back in this office where we can have our gatherings and our things that we do together that make us a, such a great company. So we're looking forward to it. And the location's wonderful too. Congrats on that beautiful new space. That's really, really great. Thank you. Thank you. So great to connect with you. And I appreciate all these takeaways. Sure. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story.